I don't need that one. Thank you. Okay, that was like the best introduction ever. Anytime Lori introduces me, it's always the best. So I, I have to scoot this. It's gotta be on my left. You'll know why in a minute, just cause I'm gonna be everywhere. Um, I'm not a, one of the ladies was like, do you need a stool or anything? I was like, no, I don't sit down. <gasps> I don't ever sit down. I'm like high animation. All right, so I brought my visual aid this morning. I'm gonna talk to you about the importance of time with God. And I'm gonna pray for us first, real quick. And then I'm gonna explain why I brought a waffle iron. I'm not actually making waffles up here, if any of you were scared about that. All right, so Father, I pray and ask that you would be with my words, that you would open our hearts, even mine, God, to hear what you have to say through your word to us. Be in my words, God, I pray and ask that they would cultivate good things in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So you, you are, oh, I need, could you do the first slide for me? Thank you. Nope, one back. It's got pictures of, there you go. I'm, a, I'm giving credibility to my pictures of my kids. So, you know, I am a mother. Um, life is like it is. So this picture is actually two years old, at least. Um, my daughter is 17. The older son is 15, just got his permit on Monday. Drove me to school yesterday. It's a good time. You all have that to look forward to. Um, and the littlest one, his name's Caleb, and he's besties with Lori's boys. Um, so those are my three kids. And then there's my husband over here, which is the biggest problem child. Um, he's a lot like a two-year-old. So though I have older kids now, I still have like a toddler at home. He, um, he brings all the fun. I'm always saying that. My son just wrote like a thank you card at school for someone and he wrote it to his dad, the littlest one. And he was like, thank you for being so much fun and making all the fun. And I was like, that is the most true statement of your dad ever. He brings all the fun. Like, I think I'm just there for structure and food. But somebody's got to do that. So <laughs> that's my family. So I have been wrangling them for a lot of years. And here comes the waffle iron part. This is what I know about mornings. When Annie was like, what do I do? Half of it is in the hours of like getting ready for school. Because that is like just one of the hardest things in life. I swear it does, that part doesn't get better when they get older. And I am, I am a planner. So like Sunday night, I'm like, tomorrow morning, we're going to have a warm breakfast. I am making real food for my children. You know, by Thursday, that all goes out the window when they're getting cereal or protein bars or whatever's there. But Monday morning, I'm making plans Sunday night. I've got the waffle iron out. I have pre-made or I have done the really cool thing, which I saw here once at Mom to Mom, which was to take the cinnamon rolls, if y'all ever done that, and put them in the what? That's the best thing. So, but I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? I'm prepared and my waffle iron's out and everybody's coming down and I'm so cheerful and my first child will come down, which is the youngest. He's got to get up earliest. It's ridiculous. And my waffle iron is there, you know, on the counter. I'm ready. I got the waffle mix. I go to pour it into the waffle iron and what have I not done? I don't plug it in. So the little green light isn't on. And this takes like, not that long, five minutes to heat. But be with me, five minutes is enough to throw off my entire day. Like, that's it right there. This can send me over the edge because that five minutes in waiting for this, I got to get up another child. I got one going to here. I've got to get this one there. And they're all three going to different schools. And I'm, 
Like, that five minutes is paramount to the rest of my day. It snowballs from the not plugged in waffle maker. The best laid plans doesn't matter because the waffle iron was not plugged in and there was no power to make the breakfast. You with me? Has anybody ever had a morning like that? Okay. This morning? All right. So, what I really want you to understand, and you can move to the next one, is this statement right here. If I don't get plugged in, <laughs> there it is. If I don't get plugged in, I'm not ready. If I don't stop in the morning and spend time with God, who is my power source and my direction, I'm not making waffles. I'm behind everything I do for the rest of the day that God could have prepared me for. I don't know it's coming. I can plan the best laid plans, but if I'm not plugged in, I don't know what's happening the rest of the day. God does, and he will be the power source I need and the direction I need for the day, but not if I don't plug in. So that's what we're going to talk about today, that if I don't get plugged in, I'm not ready for the day, for the week, for what my kids need, for what I need. God can supply all of that to you, but he does it through the day. If he gave it to you all at once, you wouldn't be able to take it. So this is the coolest thing. When I get plugged into God in the morning, he goes with me through the day. Whatever I give to him that morning, he's already seen later, and he's with me all day and knows what's coming by the time I go to bed. He's already helped me in multiple, multiple ways. I'm going to talk more about how to do that, but can we all agree that we could use some help in the morning and through the day by somebody who actually knows what the plan is for that day? Because I plan tons of things. Some of them don't work out because that's not actually what's happening in the day. As your children get older, you will learn that you've got to roll with some things more because, well, because your children get older and they become a little more in charge of their own lives. I know that's hard to digest right now. Some of that is really fun also. All right. I have the best quote from C.S. Lewis. This is one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis ever. Um, it is about a car and what a car is made to run on. And I'm going to read it to you. But I want you to think about what happens in a car if you don't put gas in it while I read this. A car is made, see that word made? A car is made to run on gasoline. It would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn. He, he himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. He created us. We are constantly trying to fill ourselves with other things that do not fill us up. Constantly. Satan is constantly throwing distractions, fun things, extra things. They're not all bad. But we constantly try to fill ourselves with something that we weren't made to be filled with. God designed us to be the house for his spirit, to be full of him. That's what we run on. That's where we get our energy from. That's where we get our direction. That's where we get our power to beat sin is from God in us. 
but not if I don't plug in. He's completely available, but I have to make the choice to plug into him. The great news is if I miss it in the morning, I can plug in at any time. If I plugged in in the morning and I'm feeling not so great, I can plug right back in as many times as I need. I am a really needy person. You know what I have found about God? He always has more for me. He's never like, nope, you hit your quota. You've already played, prayed like 30 times today for help. I'm done. That would be me with my children. That's not God with me. He, I am not too needy for God all day long. And he made me to run on him. He delights to give you what you need because he knows you don't have it. Sometimes I think I have it. God is not delusional. He knows I don't have it. He's happy to give me what I need. All right, we try to fill ourselves with, and this is very popular right now, with me time or self-care. Remember how I said those things aren't necessarily bad? One of the things I like to do for self-care for myself is before I speak, I paint my nails. I don't know why. It makes me feel like I'm ready. Okay? There are things that we do that are self-care that are fine and good, and you need a break. Netflix is sometimes a good thing, and we try to fill ourselves with those things, but they actually don't serve that purpose. They can be a break. They don't all have to be bad things. In excess, they usually are, but they don't fill us. But that's what we turn to when we're empty. Even though that doesn't fill us, it numbs us. If we learn to turn to God when we were empty, then when we, the end of the show was over, we wouldn't just feel numb. We would feel like we had energy and power and direction for what made us feel like we needed to escape. Does that make sense? So those things aren't bad in themselves. Self-care is good. Netflix isn't entirely bad, though I'm not endorsing everything on Netflix. Um, Annie, where's Annie? Mrs. Hall's my favorite, too. P.S. Yes, Mrs. Hall. Like, there are things that are good, that are good entertainment. All right, but that is not where we get full. We weren't made for those things. We were made for God and to be filled on God. So that's why a lot of times we lack purpose in our day. And sometimes as moms, just as Annie said, people will be like, so what'd you do today? I get so confused when people ask me what I do because I, I'm a stay-at-home mom who used to be a teacher, and right now I work only two days at a pre-K because one of my best friends runs it. She talked me into it, and I do their chapel, and I write books, and I speak to I don't even know how to answer the question of what I do. Like, I, it's a confusing question. But in every single arena of those things that I do, God has given me purpose in it. So I can say, overall, my purpose is my family and telling women about Jesus. And that fits every other spot that I fill. And I know about my purpose on the grand scheme and in the daily, hourly, minutely, because I get plugged into God in the morning. Now, I've been doing this for a long time, and I know that already everybody in here has felt the guilt that you don't do that every morning, or you do it most mornings, or you should do it more mornings. Whatever it is that you're feeling guilty about, shut out that voice. And just hear, God wants to spend time with me. That's all I want you to hear. I promise that if you choose that time, God operates outside of time. He's not limited by time at all. And I have been spending time with God, not that I never miss a day, because sometimes I do, pretty much every day, including Saturdays and Sundays, for years. And it has impacted me more than anything else in my life. 
it has molded who I am and changed me more than anything else. I promise you, if you do that first, he multiplies the time of everything else that you have to get done. It all works out. My hair dries faster when I have my devotions first. I don't know how he does that, but I promise you it's true. And I've spoke to groups before and said that, and people have called me and been like, you, you are not lying. That really works. Like, I, it does. Straightening irons will work faster. Laundry dries faster. I don't know how it works or pretend to understand how God does that, but he blesses the fact that you put him first. All right, so this is part of our culture's issue with the spending time. We don't talk about it at church that much. And we have this whole life between Sundays. And, and I, I can't live between Sundays. Like, I can't get filled up just on Sunday at church and have that carry me to Friday. That's not how it works. I get uncharged. And Sunday is not a personal, necessarily, time with God. It's a time to be in fellowship with everybody. But we live our life between Sundays like that is supposed to be enough. That hour and a half is not enough for all my need of the week. Anybody with me? I'm needy. I got a lot going on. I need direction. Sunday does not cut it. We have to learn as a culture to live the life between Sundays as the most important time where we need God the most. All right. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of my favorite verses. It talks about, you'll know it, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. God has been showing me a lot lately where I lean on my understanding. Let me tell you about my understanding. I know nothing. <laughs> they said lovely things about me and my children. That has nothing to do with me. That has to do with my praying for them and getting direction from God because I know nothing. Uh, you can read all the parenting books in the world. I tried. Oh, my good Lord. When my daughter was being born, I was sure I was going to do it all perfectly. I am a one, if anybody's ever done the Enneagram. Okay, so I need to do it all perfectly, and I will be prepared. And I read all the books. I don't think any of them helped. Not one ounce. <laughs> I, I, they're all a lot of good opinions that people have about their children, but none of them know my child. But do you know who knows my child? God. Do you know who wants to tell me what my children need? God. He wants to tell me every day exactly what Kate needs, which will be totally different from what Brian needs. And the problem with people's opinions of what your children need is that children are individuals just like I am. God designed them. He designed them to run on himself. He designed moms to help point to him. So not give the answers, but point to the one who has the answers. And God can totally prepare me for what my kids need if I meet with him in the morning. So not just what I need. Or throughout the day, or if they've already left for school and you haven't done it, there is no guilt. You just do it then. Does that make sense? All right, so God does not want to just visit us on Sundays. He's about every detail of our life. I have a beautiful verse. I'm just, I do this all the time. I'll be like, this is my favorite verse. It's the Galatians slide. If you can go, yeah, that, right there, perfect. All right, Galatians 5.25, this is the message translation. I'm going to tell you what it says in the ESV, which is what my Bible is. But I am in love with the message translation. If you've never read it, please get one. Or you can do it on the Bible app. It is 
great when there's a verse you love in your translation and you look it up in the message, you're like, oh, wow, that's a good depiction. All right, so Galatians 5.25 says, if we live by the Spirit, we keep in step by the Spirit. That's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to live by the Spirit, which sounds like, it sounds kind of like Pocahontas, doesn't it? It just occurred to me, like we're going with the wind. We're to live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. That also scares me to death because it seems like, oh, we're just walking by the Spirit. We don't know what's happening. And that's kind of what it's like, except I put so much faith in my plans when I don't know what's happening in the day that it shouldn't feel like that because God knows exactly what's happening. So I should be able to be just like, hey, it's fine. I'm walking by the Spirit because I'm not in charge and it's not up to me. It's up to God, so this should be freeing. All right, the message translation says this. Since this is the kind of life we've chosen, if you've decided God is the Lord of your life, this is the life you've chosen, we've chosen the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. God wants to be in the details of your lives. He's not too busy. He has time. He's got an abundance. The problem is we're not listening. The between Sundays doesn't leave much room for him to speak to us. We need to understand and believe that God wants to work out every detail of our lives, but we have to be plugged in to hear him and what he's saying about the details of our lives. Okay, we got to talk about something nobody's going to like. He, he is about every minute, every day, and every detail. All right, the next slide, you all have heard this saying before. It's that insanity, <clears throat> insanity, how, I'm not sure exactly how it goes, but insanity is like doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Okay, I've added to it. Insanity may be doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, but immaturity is thinking we can do something every now and then and see results exercise. That's what we have to talk about. I'm sorry. You know, when I was like, I don't ever know what to say that I do. I've done so many things in my life. For a while, I was an exercise instructor. Okay, I did step aerobics. Anybody here ever done step aerobics? So that tells you how long ago I did this. I had my, I taught college kids that I loved, and that was closer to my age. I was like 26. So I taught them. They were great. My favorite ladies were my morning ladies, and they were the step aerobics, and they got there at 545 in the morning to work out, and I was struggling at 545 in the morning, but they were the most hardcore women I think I've ever met. I love them all to this day. Anyway, that was a side event, but what I know about exercise is that if you do it once a week, like church on Sunday, does it change anything about you? especially not my bottom half, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a more than once a week project. Okay, so, <laughs> I, once a week, it's not cutting it. That's nice, it's good sentiment, but it doesn't accomplish change in me at all. We have to understand that we can't just do the little bit we've been doing and expect there to be a different result. To get results, you have to do multiples. Now, it doesn't have to be crazy amounts of time. For your time with God, it could be 15 minutes. Just think about the effects if you exercise 15 minutes every day. 
Every January, everyone starts that, right? We're, we're all doing, we're doing wall Pilates now, 15 minutes a day. And sometimes I will stick to that, and it will change me some. And then sometimes life gets busy, and I don't stick to that, and it doesn't change me. But the 15 minutes with God every day will change you and make an impact in eternity. That is multitasking like nobody's business. So it's the most important 15 minutes. And I mean, I'm not here to say just 15 minutes. Go half an hour. Go 45 minutes. But start somewhere. All right. So we're not going to do the insanity. We're done talking about exercise. I promise. Hebrews 11.6 tells us this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But Hebrews 11.6 tells us that there is a reward for diligently seeking God. There's a reward for diligently seeking God. This is the reward. I have figured it out. There's multiple rewards. The biggest reward for diligently seeking God is God. That's the best thing about seeking God. You get God. And everything he brings with him. There's more reward than just that, but all the other rewards that come from seeking God pale in comparison to getting God. When I tell you that I've been doing this for a long time, I mean it. (laughs) And it's not that I don't miss a day, but it is a habit in my life that has been there for years. And at this point, I hear God's voice. I hear it through the day. I hear it when I'm going to speak to women. He tells me exactly what they need to hear, which I could not figure out on my own. I will get a theme in my head that's something I'm supposed to write, and it's like he taps me on the shoulder all day. And that word comes up here, and then it's in a song. And then my daughter says something. And then my husband says something. Because the more I tap into his presence more I see him everywhere. That's the gift that you get. That's the reward when you diligently seek God. You get God. He is everywhere I go. And I could not function without that. We spend so much time teaching our kids to be independent of us, when in reality what we should actually be doing is transferring their dependence from us to God. Because we're not supposed to be independent. We're supposed to be heavily dependent on God. Our society teaches independence as a good thing. God doesn't. He wants us totally dependent on him. All right. I have practiced God's presence, and I can tell you that it is absolutely worth it. I think a problem with that for us is that we don't believe that that's really possible. We don't believe that God is that available to us because he's God. I get it. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) But I will put all kinds of faith in wrinkle creams that I read about on Instagram to work. (laughs) Are you with me? Like, multiple wrinkle creams. I'll try them all because I am prepared to do whatever needs to be done. Has anybody, I'm so off topic right now, but you know those frownies things? Has anybody seen those? I've done those. I don't know if they work or not, but I'm completely putting my faith in them right now. So I'm hoping for some kind of miracle. So um, what we can put our faith in is this, 
And everything in this book tells me that God is available daily. David talks about it in almost every single psalm. God is available daily. This is not just for me. What I got all emotional about, God tapping on my shoulder, he's got time to do that in your life. I'm not special. I simply took him up on his word. That's all I did. I believed him. That's it. Repeatedly. If you believe him repeatedly, same thing will happen. You will see him everywhere. You will get direction exactly when you need it. And the beautiful thing is, I can't make my kids choose Jesus. I can't. But he can help me lead them with what they need. And he can watch me when I struggle that that's where I go. My kids can see that God is my answer. I may not have all the answers, but I know who does. And I can point them to him, and then I can leave that in God's hands. Because, like I said, his presence isn't just for me. It's for them, too. Now, here is where we go a little haywire, and our culture totally does this with us. Instead of getting direction from God, we often follow our emotions because it's a reaction. And that's my next slide. So we will often follow our feelings. Who goes into Hobby Lobby and the first thing you see is the pillow that says, follow your heart? My children and my Sunday school children will all tell you that that is the phrase I hate the most. My middle, Brian, the middle one there, he delights in saying, mom, just follow your heart, it'll be fine, because he knows how much I hate that. My heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. That's what this says. Why would anyone tell you to follow that? That is the worst advice ever. If I follow my emotions and what my heart is telling me to do, one, I'll be going in circles forever because most of the time I don't know if I'm hungry or tired or hangry. I mean, like, so following your emotions is ridiculous and it's terrible advice, but it's on like every pillow and thing and Hobby Lobby and everywhere you go. All right, sorry, tangent done. So your feelings, they have a purpose. They can serve as a check engine light but never as a GPS. We use them as a GPS. Our feelings will tell us what we're supposed to do. God is our GPS. Feelings are not made to be our GPS. They're just supposed to be so that we can discern what's going on in here. They point us to, hey, there might be a problem, or hey, happy feelings can point us to, hey, let's be thankful for that. Our feelings serve a purpose. They're for introspection, not direction. Does that make sense? When you are upset about something, it is good to feel those feelings. Talk to God about it. They serve a purpose. Don't blindly follow them. They will lead you astray every time. That is why, well, I told you that my 15-year-old just took his driver's test. So that's why there's a yield sign up here because I was like, that is the perfect illustration for this. What your feelings can do is go, I need to pause, I'm feeling a lot of stuff, I will yield right here. It's a, doesn't even have to be a complete stop, though it can be. You yield and ask God about your feelings, and he tells you then which direction to go. So your feelings serve as your yield. I'm feeling a lot of things, let's see what's actually going on in there. 
ask God, and then he's the GPS that tells you left or right, not the feelings. But that's where we usually look for direction. So everything I've been telling you about meeting with God, he knows everything that's going to happen in your day. He can give you all the directions that you need. I really hate that he does this. He only gives them one at a time. I know that it's not to overwhelm me, but I really like to see a whole plan. It's not how he works. We've discussed this ad nauseum. He's not changing. So it is like the GPS in that you just get one direction at a time, but they're the right directions. All right, so what we want to learn to do is tap into the right directions. We need to learn to not follow our feelings, and the more time we spend with God, we will follow him instead because we'll hear him, and he'll keep us from taking the wrong turn. All right, I'm almost done, I promise. So if you are like me, you want to be everything for your family. You're moms, so I know you're like me. Moms are like the only people that I've ever seen do this. Dads never do this. You got a child who's like about to throw up. The mom's reaction is, who does that? Like, it's fine, throw up on me. <laughs> Sorry for the vivid visual. But moms, we are the lovers. We love our family. We want so much what is best for them. We will give up of ourselves for our kids. But I am never going to be enough for them. I won't. I run out of energy. I run out of patience. I have a teenage daughter, just the one, and I run out of ability to listen. <gasps> She's like me, so imagine that in a teenager, like the talking, the hands, the... So, I'm not enough. I will never be enough. But I know who has enough. Personally. And he fills me with exactly what I need. I want to have the answers. I want to fix their problems even more than I want to fix my problems. That isn't my job. My job is to fill up on the fuel that I was made to run on so that I can say, he's the answer. He will give you the answer and point them to God. They need to see me look for God every day. They need to see me go, I don't know the answer to this, let's pray. This backfires on you when you're in the car <clears throat> and you're feeling all kinds of emotions and your kids go, Mom, maybe we should pray for the person in front of us. Just a warning. <laughs> it doesn't always work out the way you think it's going to work out. But it does work out, even for me. All right, so... He, being God, is the only one who knows what they need at every given moment. If I stay plugged in, he will share this knowledge because he loves them more than I do. Which is hard to imagine, but he does. All right, last verse for you, and it's up here. And I picked, the, actually there's two verses, but this is the last one on the slide. I picked this verse because Lori told me that at the end of the year when I spoke, I don't know, I spoke here several years ago, that everybody was talking about what I said about this verse and that it helped them understand some stuff. So I prayed and God said, yep, use it again. So here we are. Um, this is the verse, it's Psalm 5, 1 through 3. It's the message version again because I love that. The original's great too, but I love this version. Every morning, you'll hear me at it again. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar and watch for fire to descend. When does he do this? 
every morning. It's repeated. God does that, I think, sometimes just for me in the Bible. Who needs repeats? When there's a theme he wants me to know about in my life, it appears everywhere. It's on the radio. It's in the book I pick up. It's like in the newspaper, things that don't even talk about God. It's on the veggie tale we're watching in the car. And I will be like, okay, I hear you. Okay. Every morning, repeated, so that we know that's important. Every morning, you'll hear me out at it again. I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar and watch for fire to descend. All right, the pieces of my life. I love this verse, and this verse makes me think of something specific. Puzzles. Who likes puzzles? Does anybody like puzzles? Yes? I hate puzzles. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I set you up for that. I have a niece who loves puzzles, and every time we go on a family vacation, she wants me to sit and do the puzzle with her, and I'm like, I love you. I'm terrible at puzzles. You do not want me to do this with you. I sit, I get, it doesn't matter if it's an edge piece. Like, she gets the, like, thousand-piece puzzles. I'm like, this is hopeless. This, is, like, speaks hopelessness to me. <laughs> it makes my soul dark. Like, <laughs> this is never going to happen. Like, so I hate puzzles. But what this speaks to me is that the pieces of my life, I don't know where they fit, just like I don't know where the puzzle pieces fit. But I don't have to figure it out, which is a great relief because I'd be hopeless. The pieces of my life, in the morning, I lay them out on the altar and wait for fire to descend. All right, that's the altar in the Old Testament. They used to sacrifice on the altar. And Elijah and several other people had fire come down to burn up the sacrifice. God understands that morning time is precious and that it's a sacrifice to do that in the morning because you have so much to do. But when you lay out the pieces of your life that you don't know where they fit on the altar, the fire that came down is symbolic of his presence. So when you, every morning, lay out the pieces that you don't know where they fit, he brings his presence. He works it out, and he makes them fit where they go, and I just get to watch. It's like I'm a, I just get to watch the masterpiece get painted, the puzzle put together that I didn't know where the pieces went because he understands the sacrifice that is, especially for those of you, I met two moms this morning who still have infants, and I was like, <laughs> sleep. I promise you're going to sleep again. You will. Right now I can't go to sleep because my teenager won't get out of my bed, and it's not the girl. It's that middle one, my 15-year-old boy. Doesn't want to talk about anything during the day till I'm in bed in my pajamas with my frownies on my forehead. <laughs> and then he comes and lays right in the middle. Mom, I need to tell you this. Can you scratch my back? Like, <laughs> it's precious. Whose 15-year-old boy does that? And at the same time, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> So I'm like, God, I, I'm going to need just a little bit more energy. I know I was ready for bed, but <laughs> I need to be patient with whatever he's saying and not just kick him out. When you do that in the morning, on little sleep with your toddlers, he understands the sacrifice. And what you get when you diligently seek God is God. It's the best thing ever. So that's what I want you to remember. When you diligently seek God, you get God. When you get plugged in, you get the power that you need, you get the direction that you need, you hear his voice, you get the everything you need to make the waffles, or whatever you might be making that day, which may change from your plan, but it will be his plan. 
that's what I want you to remember. And the last verse I'm going to give you is this. I talked about how great moms are. And that we, it's, it's not up there. I'm just going to read it to you. And then there's some questions he's going to put up there for you that you're going to do with your small group leaders, I think. Um, but the one thing I want you to remember about parents, the moms, we give good things to our children. We want good things for them. God wants good things for us. In Luke 11:13, he says this, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, we, we are not, our hearts are desperately wicked, like I said. We don't have it all together, but we still give good gifts to our children, right? Because we love them. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give, not just good gifts, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is like on tap for us, available all the time, never runs out. God will give you as much as you ask for. He'll make you able to hold it. He'll make you so full that you'll pour it out on others because he's a good parent. He gives the best gift, what we need for every situation. He gives the Holy Spirit. In John, it says he gives it without measure. Doesn't even measure how much you're giving. Just fills to your overflowing. That's what we fill up on. That's what we were designed to get full of. God. I'm going to pray for us, and then they're going to put the questions up there, and I'll be done, so I don't know who's coming up after that, but I'm going to pray, so that's your notice. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for these ladies. Thank you so much that I got to be here with them this morning. I pray and ask that your word would stick with them. I ask, God, that you would help us not to hold you as a sentiment in our hearts, but to realize that you want to work out every detail of our lives, that you're interested in it, that you want to be part of it. Help us believe that. Help us know that you never run out of help. You don't get tired of us running to you. God, I pray and ask that we would remember that, including me, all of the rest of the week, all of next week, God, and that we would make a habit of running to you for help, that we would bring you the puzzle pieces of our day because you know where they fit better than we do. Thank you for this time. In your precious name we pray, amen. Thank you, ladies, for letting me be here.